Welcome to Fearless Mom. Um, we're going to start today by welcoming in our online audience and by giving them a shout out. Uh, moms who are listening or watching at home, we are cheering you on in Austin. We believe in you. You can do this. Don't give up. Keep going. We are with you and we are for you. And if you are listening or watching online, today is a great one to invite your husband or your child's father to join in with you today and listen or watch with you because we have with us today my husband, Mac, as we continue this series called The Parenting Pendulum. And so I feel like we should start with prayer, okay? So let's go ahead and pray and get this party started. Not just because I'm here. No, not just. Okay. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Although now that you mention it, um, I'll pray. God, I thank you so much for this day and I thank you for the gift of motherhood. I thank you for the gift of marriage. And God, we are so grateful that you have given us your word, that you've given us guidance in your word, that you have a plan for us, a desire for the way things work best, and we want to open our eyes and our ears today to hear and see what you want us to learn. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Now today we are going to talk about marriage. And whenever we talk about marriage, we encourage moms, forget about your husband. <laughs> and what I mean by that is we want to take on the responsibility what we can change. We talk a lot in Fearless Mom about embracing responsibility. And so my responsibility today, your responsibility today, is to listen and to learn what can you do to make your marriage better. Because it's very tempting to listen and go, oh, yes, I'm going to tell my husband this. He can make our marriage better if he does this. Or, oh, I'm really, I'm going to make sure my husband listens to this because our marriage would really be great if he would do this. I'm going to challenge you to put that out of your mind. We're going to talk about marriage, forget about your husband, and think about what you can do to make your marriage everything that God created it to be, everything he desires for it to be. Mm. Now, the reason we've been talking about parenting pendulum is because as a mom we have many jobs we wear many hats and some of these hats seem to be opposite of one another we said how important it is to focus on one day and to equip our children for one day while at the same time enjoying this day we said that every home needs both play and order and what we've discovered is even though these seem like opposites they seem to contradict one another that actually if you manage the motion and tend to the tension of that parenting pendulum between one day and this day between play and order and today we're going to talk about between wife and mom when we are intentional and we manage that motion then actually instead of contradicting one another they complement <laughs> one another and so what we're going to talk about today is how do I you know what decisions can I make what actions can I take that can help simplify my life as I wear the hat of both wife and mom because both of them are full-time jobs and we don't really get to pick today I'm going to focus on this one tomorrow I'll focus on this one to be sure we have established that parenting is a series of seasons and there are some seasons that pull your pendulum more one way yeah. than the other and so our pendulums make big swings during certain seasons but our goal 
our, the peace that we are seeking is found when the pendulum is right here. And that is what we're always working. Doesn't that even, I feel like I'm hypnotizing you. <laughs> but it does. It just makes us feel more peaceful. And that's what we want to work toward today. And, you know, I think it's really, really important what Julie just said a second ago. As you think about inviting your husband to watch this video, I want to encourage you as a husband, be very careful in the words you use. As you invite him to watch this video, and men, I want you to know, I, I'm here because I believe so strongly in what God's doing in this ministry and in this room and even beyond to those who watch online. But I also think that we husbands have a massive role to play in understanding the mom pendulum and understanding. So what I want to do is help in the, great, in the words of the great uh, philosopher and theologian Deion Sanders, I want to help both. I want to help both husbands and wives, moms and dads understand each other so that the pendulum is not like this. See, I, I mean, seriously. Or, or that it's not like stuck on one extreme or the other. But that, that motion that Julie described, I think, so eloquently where it's kind of right in there. And sometimes, to be sure, it, goes, it swings one way or the other. But to keep it moving is to keep it healthy. And that's what we're really after, is healthy marriage, healthy home. I also know whenever we talk about marriage, particularly as it relates to motherhood and parenting, we're always dealing with single parents, single moms, single dads even. And it's really, really important that you understand if, if that's you, and even if it's not you, the incredible, incredible honor that we pay and we owe to single moms. I think right now everybody who's not a single mom ought to give it up for those who are single moms. That is a massive, you think about how tired you feel as a, as a married mom. <laughs> think about being single. I watched my mom raise three boys by herself. And so I'm a product of a single parent home. I know what's possible with a parent who keeps her family or his family tethered to the local church, but also continuing to honor marriage, even though you're not married. And that's a critical thing. My mom went out of her way to never dog my dad or to, to speak ill of him. And, and I've shared this with y'all before. Her mother, my grandmother, was not under the same conviction. She, she, went, she had no problem letting the world know what she thought about my dad after the divorce. But my mom, my mom went out of her way to make sure that my brothers and I continued to honor my dad as father and continued to see marriage as a God-given gift, as something that God has given in his time and in his seasons that can be an incredible gift, even though my parents' marriage ended in divorce, she continued to honor the institution of marriage because it is absolutely God-ordained, God-created, and God-sustained. And so she went out of her way. And so I think it's really important as we start talking about marriage and parenthood to remember no matter where you are, what we talk about when we talk about marriage is honoring the institution as God designed it and as he desires it to be. That's a very, very important thing. 
Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 is a great place for us to kick this conversation off. As we talk about managing that motion and tending the tension, Proverbs 25, 28 says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What that means is we have to own our responsibility within the relationship. Now, responsibility is not a fun word, but relationship is. And we all have relational responsibilities in every relationship we have, beginning when we're married, beginning with the marital relationship. So right now, I want you to just turn to the person sitting next to you. If you're at home, say it out loud to the laptop. Own it. Own it. Just own it. The Bible says, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. That's a great, great passage. As much as it depends upon you. That means you own your responsibility, but you don't take on too much responsibility. Own your stuff. Own it and move forward in it. And that self-control means that there are actions I can take, decisions I can make, you know, that build that wall around my marriage. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. That means you are vulnerable. That means the city is vulnerable. What we want to do today is to work on these Ten Commandments. And if you can imagine that working on these Ten Commandments is taking responsibility, using self-control, and putting that into action. And as you put it into action, you are literally building a wall around your marriage. You are fortifying your marriage. And when we fortify our marriage, two things happen. We keep the bad out and we keep the good in. Mm. And so it is work to build the wall, but the wall is to fortify our marriage because a city with broken down walls is now vulnerable. And we want to make our marriages strong because as we've said before, we cannot control everything. We will find ourselves, our marriages, our families in circumstances that are beyond our control. So what we want to do is use as many safeguards to prepare our families for those difficult times, to prepare our marriages for those difficult times. So we build strong marriages. Mac and I have been married for um, 25 years. We celebrated our 25th (laughs) anniversary um, this summer. And... um, We were very young when we got married, and we came into marriage with just great expectation, but to be honest, very little preparation. Um, We did not know everything that we would encounter. We did not know how to communicate in a healthy way with one another. We, to be honest, did not realize how different we were and um, how similar. You know, Matt comes from three boys. I come from three girls. Completely different modes of communication. We didn't Um, know what we didn't know. We did didn't know what we didn't know, which is probably good. Um, But what we've learned over the years, we want to share with you, as well as what we've learned from other people, as well as what we've learned from studying scripture. We're very fortunate that even though we came into marriage, um, not knowing much of anything about marriage, we were surrounded by people who were for our marriage, who poured into us, and we were surrounded by people who knew that scripture was where we were going to find the truth and the support. 
And so that's what we're going to look at today. Um, we call them the Ten Commandments of Marriage. And oh, this, can I say something real quick? Yeah. I just want. I, this is part of the fun of getting to do this together. <laughs> I think it's really important too. We have been married 25 years, and I will tell you, we are having a ball right now. God bless the empty nest. <laughs> it is a beautiful thing, but. And just so you don't think that it's always been that way, there actually was a time. We've had, we've had moments throughout our marriage, to be sure. Most of them created by my stupidity. Whole other sermon. But there was also a time when we felt, not convinced necessarily, but we did wonder and ask the question, did we marry the wrong person? I mean, we got to a sticking point about seven or eight years into our marriage where we never consulted attorneys, but we were like, man, I, I don't know if this is what it's supposed to be. And we were absolutely stuck. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely worth it. And it's absolutely possible, particularly in the grace of God, to get unstuck. And to get to the place where you do enjoy each other and marriage again and for the long haul. And I just think it's, I just wanted to say that real quick because this, this did not just happen. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> but seriously. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, we, you did know. Did you we, have anything you wanted to say about yeah, how fun the empty nest is? Yeah, it is awesome. Okay. I have to say, we adjusted more quickly than we expected. It was so weird at first, but we got over that. <laughs> and if our children are watching, we love you. We love we miss y'all. you. We miss and you. And we're so going to help much. you find apartments after college. <laughs> we love you. We miss you terribly. Um, but the uh, the reason I love the the title for this is the Ten Commandments is because we know that God gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave them to Moses to give to His people because the Ten Commandments God knew if you live your life within these parameters, then your life will work best. And so His commandments were given to us as an expression of his love for us. The creator knew how life would work best. And so what we want to do is give you these 10 commandments. We're going to go through them pretty quickly. Um, But to see that there are some things, there are some choices you can make and actions you can take to build a strong marriage. And it can be done, but it does require work. And particularly when you throw an infant or you throw a teenager or a sassy preteen into the mix. But God has given us children within the marriage and the home. And so we do have to wear both hats. But we must remember the significance of our marriage. So I'm going to start with the, ten, the first of the commandments. You shall have no other human relationship before your spouse. You shall have no other human relationship before your spouse. Mac is my primary human relationship. Amen. My children, on behalf of all the men everywhere, all the husbands everywhere. But that's, that was hard for me to understand because my children were so demanding and their needs seemed to be um, verbalized a lot more and so apparent. And so I realized, though, a couple of years in, that in taking care of my children, which I believed was my responsibility, I had put Mac on the back burner. And so it, I had to make a conscious decision. I had to be very intentional, and I had to pull him back to the forefront. And when I did... 
this is the miracle of God's design. When I did, my relationship with my children was better. You see, when those things seem opposite, they actually do, they do not contradict one another, wife and mom. They actually complement one another. And my relationship with the kids got better. His relationship with the kids. I wasn't jealous of them anymore. You have to understand something. Husbands don't get it. Guys, we don't. We don't get it. But if, if we don't feel like we're competing with our wife for our kid or our, with our kids for our wife's attention then all of a sudden we like them a lot more i'm just i'm just telling you that's a fact you ought to write that stuff down i just helped you <laughs> But I felt like I was neglecting the children when I, and I don't even know that it was a conscious decision. It was just the children were more demanding. And they're very resilient. They're going to be fine. And, but when I put that into place, when I realized, <laughs> and there was no, and even my adult parents, you know, if you have adult children, I remember my mom um, saying, you know, you're married now. You have a husband, that's your primary relationship. My sister, you know, was like, um, uh, she, my mom said it to all of us. When she had her baby, my mom was like, this is wonderful, you're welcome anytime, but your husband is your primary human relationship. You know, I don't know that mom used those words, but you know. That was the deal. Yes. Commandment number two, you shall not substitute any visual images for the real thing. You shall not substitute any visual images. I would also add mental and emotional images for the real thing. Pornography is cancer. There is no such thing as harmless pornography. There is absolutely no such thing anywhere on the planet, zero, as helpful pornography well we're just going to spice things up no you're going to torpedo and inject cancer into your marriage there is no such thing if you need spicing up the marriage that happens in conversation that happens perhaps with a gifted licensed christian counselor but popping in a video or pulling something up on netflix or apple tv is not an option that's one of the reasons that Julie and I, and, and obviously I think men are more susceptible to this, although <laughs> don't get arrogant because it's possible too. <laughs> Julie knows all of my computer passwords. She can look at my phone. She can look at my laptop. She can look at my iPad at any moment with no warning. We've got that kind of transparency in marriage so that that accountability is there. And I just tell you that because I love you, because I care. Men, because I love you. I want you to understand this can not happen. It can't happen. Because particularly as visually driven as men are, those images stay in our minds. And literally, psychologists and the literature shows rewire the way our brains fire. It will change the way we think about sex, about our spouse, about women in general, and about each other. So there is a zero tolerance for pornography. That is one of the greatest gifts you will ever give your marriage. It, it becomes a crutch that husband and wife then start to lean on that instead of 
leaning into each other and having open conversations. And I know, we know, those are difficult conversations to have. They're tough, tough conversations to have. But when we need to have them, we need to have them. Man up and have the conversation. Woman up and have the conversation. And all I'm going to tell you is, it is absolutely worth it. It is absolutely worth it. And women, there are books out there and movies out there that um, currently are, you know, the the top books to read and all of that. I would say that you have a choice. You know, we said there are many things out of our control, but our thoughts are powerful. And we must be very intentional about what we allow into our minds, about what we allow into our thoughts. So be disciplined, be self-controlled, and understand that that is not helpful for your marriage. That in reality, that uh, fortifying wall around your marriage actually is you are now opening the gate to allow attacks on your marriage. And so be very, very intentional and I know, about that. And I know somebody in this room or watching later online is going to discount what we're saying because I'm the pastor of a church. I, well, he, you know, he's all religious. That's true. And it does not mean I'm wrong. Pornography is stupid. It is a dumb idea in life. Smart people make really dumb decisions. How many of y'all know that? Smart people can make dumb decisions. Pornography is for idiots. It is an absolutely cowardly way to only be able to take and not have to give anything of yourself. I feel like you're getting the point. <laughs> I, think, so, anyway. I think we're there. Let's move on to number three. Um, but it was a good point to make, so I'm glad. Number three, you I'm shall... not a big fan of gray area. I don't, I don't want people to go, I don't know what they were really saying. People say that all the time. I can't tell what Mac was thinking. Just kidding. Um, number <clears> three, <throat> you shall always honor your spouse in their presence and absence. You shall always honor your spouse. I'm going to read to you the definition. The definition of honor is to regard with great respect or esteem. Ephesians 5 that um, says about how marriage is a mystery, one of the grandest understatements in all of Scripture, but um, how marriage is a mystery also states husbands are to love their wives and wives are to respect their husbands. There's no gray area there. It doesn't say if they're worthy of respect, if they're worthy of love. It says that's our job, that's how things work best. And if you really want your children to grow up with stability and security, I'm telling you, the significance of how we speak about one another, how we speak to one another is huge. You can't underestimate it. And so the way I talk about Mac when my children are not there, the way I talk to Mac when my children are there, you know, it's just, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And um, so if I'm talking about Mac with my children when he's not there, then I'm remembering to honor him. Um, I used to do this kind of thing, and I'm going to apologize. Um, and I have apologized, but I would say this. You know, does anybody know why Dad left his shoes on the floor in the den? Anybody know? <laughs> and I would smile thinking it was okay see, for me to say things like that. And I would get so irritated. Actually, the, the biggest fights Mac and I ever had, he was not even home. 
I mean, he didn't even know about them, you know, because I could just go to war with him, you know, like this. <laughs> I don't know why dad's late. He said he was going to be here. Don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, not helpful. The opposite of helpful, actually. Um, and so what I want for my children we said this earlier, is a home in which they feel safe. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm home, I'm safe, I like it here. And part of that is honoring Mac so that they feel like we are a team that brings great security to your children if they know that you are a team. So I'm honoring whether he's there or not. Commandment number four, remember date night to keep it weekly. Remember date night to keep it weekly. Now, if you have a newborn or an infant at home, you get a temporary pass on number four. But the reason that we tried, and we didn't, we didn't ring the bell every single week, but we tried to keep it weekly was so that you never go too long and forget, oh man, I actually really like her. I, I actually am really highly attracted to her. Or for you to forget, man, he's a great guy. I chose to marry him. And, and you reconnect over date night. When you do that every week, there, the ripple effects throughout your home, your life, your marriage, your children's lives are absolutely exponential. Because what happens is you reconnect with each other, and, and I think fun is grossly underrated in marriage. Remember when you started dating? It was fun when, when he pulled up to pick you up, or when you pulled up to pick it. That would like, you get those butterflies, like, oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> cup. And, and you had, it was fun just showing up. But then life happens. Pregnancy happens spit up on your workout clothes happens and, and you forget we actually like each other and love each other and you you reconnect personally and emotionally and romantically and physically all of those things are so important to keep that as regular as you possibly can remember date night and keep it it weekly. also keeps your pendulum from being pulled too far to mom yeah. all the time because so much of our identity is wrapped up in our motherhood and that is awesome but it reminded me oh that's right I'm a wife too oh that's right I mean I remember it's an where opportunity I put my for makeup, adult conversation you know. it, it, it's yeah it's, it's a big deal um, and I'm gonna say this too it also helps your kids they're they're gonna cry when you leave they're gonna cry so what Kids cry. That's what they do. It's how God built them. <laughs> but over time, over time, they're going to see this thing is rock solid. We chose to hang out together. We chose to get married. You little ones, y'all just showed up. So it's incredibly securing for them. Yes, and we have to trust that when we submit our own fears to the grand plan that <clears throat> things do work better just like the original ten commandments okay so now number five we got to go fast you shall not share the details of your marriage with anyone else you shall not share the details of your marriage with anyone else guys that is just opening the gate and allowing other people to get into the 
you know, the foundation of your marriage. And it's just not wise, particularly sharing with someone of the opposite sex. If you have a confidant, if you have a neighbor, if you have a best friend who's of the opposite sex and you're telling the um, secrets, not secrets, but the troubles of your marriage, whoever you're confiding in, just be wise, be wise. Now, there are exceptions. A wise, licensed, professional counselor in the office then you may share. But that's not, oh, my friend's a counselor, and, you know, I can call him whenever. No, you protect your marriage. Be disciplined about that. You self-control and understand that it is a big deal when you start letting others in to your marriage, to that part. Now, we say in here, this is a guilt-free, shame-free environment. This is a place where it is safe to say, I'm having trouble in my marriage right now because we know that secrets are like mold. They grow in the dark. Yeah. So there's some wisdom, discernment, and common sense needed there. But you know what I mean. When you start sharing one-on-one -on -one with someone and you start sharing too much information, it's just not wise. Commandment number six, you shall not be rude, sarcastic, or mean. You shall not be rude, sarcastic, or mean. Now, the fact of the matter is the Richard household is a sarcastic household. We laugh a lot, but never at another person's demeaning expense. What I mean by that is we laugh and we taught our kids to be able to laugh at yourself, but never by demeaning, never by belittling, and especially when things are tense. If you know in your mind and in your heart that you're irritated because, let's say hypothetically, your husband left his shoes in the middle of the floor. Let's just, I don't know where that's coming from. But then in that instance, you make a mental note. I'm not going to comment about this <laughs> while taking down the other person. And that's a critical, critical, critical thing. The word sarcasm in the original language, it's a Greek, it comes from the Greek, like a lot of English words do. Sarcasm means the tearing of flesh. That's what sarcasm means. It is the tearing of flesh. And especially where your husbands are concerned, when you're sarcastic, when you're rude, you belittle a man. And when you show a man disrespect, you wound him as deeply as he can possibly be wounded. That's just a fact. Now, we don't like to talk about being wounded because we're all 10 feet tall and bulletproof, but I'm just telling you, demeaning and belittling is never a good idea for your marriage. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery, physically or emotionally. I know too many people who um, their marriage began to deteriorate, and no one starts the day by saying, mm, I think I'll wreck my marriage today. I think today I will find someone with whom to be unfaithful to my spouse. No, it starts out as an emotional connection. Perhaps you feel distance from your spouse, and now you see an old friend. Good gracious, I know story after story. Reconnect with your high school boyfriend on Facebook, and you just reach out to say, hey. Then you're thinking, oh, I feel a little more connection there, and so now it's a little bit flirtatious. Now I have a text relationship with him. We're not saying anything inappropriate. Well, here's my question. Does your husband know? Is he aware of that? 
because now I'm building an emotional relationship with him. I'm now working on this relationship more than I am my marriage relationship. You know why? Because it's easier. It's easier. It's much harder work to work on the relationship that isn't so fun right now. But if you go back to the commandment number one, there is no human relationship that is more significant than my spouse. So I have to remind myself of number one, and I go back to there. It is so important that we recognize when we are becoming too good of friends with someone of the opposite sex. And oftentimes, it is your neighbor, it is your friend's husband. We've heard it. I can tell you stories over and over and over again. It started out as a friendship, and then it became um, more emotional attachment, and then the physical attachment came later. Be aware, be intentional. Don't even take that first step. Don't even take that first step. Commandment number eight, you shall apologize and forgive. You shall. I had to do this about a month and a half ago. Julie and I were just having a conversation, and Julie loves to tell the story and loves to give background. Hard to believe, I know. Look, they're all shocked. My personality is let's get to the chase. And she had started the story by telling me about something that had come up that was like a problem or something. And then her, her background to the story kind of took a little longer than I was. Which was very significant to the story, by the way. It, it later became very significant. <laughs> but anyway, so as she started filling in the texture of the story and the background, I'm thinking, what's the problem? We need to fix the problem. What's the problem? And, and we, we were in background for a while. And, and this is what I did. I don't know if you can zoom, if you can pick this Where up on camera. Where is this story going? You remember, I, you remember now this. Now you're giving too much background. No, I'm, this, was, this was my mistake. So this is what I did. As she's giving background, I went, well, I was horrifically wrong. And... Of, of all the things that I can do in this world, of all the things that I can do in this world, to hurt her feelings kills me. Because she really is not very sensitive. So when it happens, I have messed up. And it was like, boom, the conversation was over. It's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And internally I just went. And so... I was grilling something outside on the patio, and I, I, and I walked outside to do it, and I sat there for about five minutes. And internally, I'm thinking to myself, you're an idiot. That's how the Lord speaks to me. <laughs> and I just, all I could, there was nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. I had to walk back inside, and I just said, Julie, I was absolutely wrong, and I'm sorry. I wish I, wish I didn't respond that way, and I promise you I will work on it and do better, but I was wrong. Will you forgive me? To her credit, she did. It took a little while for everything to get back to, hey, what do you want for dinner? Not that dinner. But it took a little while. But it begins when you just, again, you own it. Just go, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Forgiving is something that you, 
You cannot stay married and not forgive. You can't. Marriage is the greatest training ground for forgiveness. When Julie and I got married, her uncle said to us in the ceremony, I'm going to tell you the most important advice you'll ever get. Be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. You have to forgive, and you have to choose to let it go. He will blow it. Here's the good news, and this is the part I want you to write down. So will you. That's called humanity. We all blow it, so you, have, you blow it. You have to apologize and forgive. Um, and it really wasn't as big a deal as you made it. No, but it was real. But it was a, it's a good example because it, it actually it was very real. It, and I, I'd I forgotten about it. it until you just reminded me. I may get mad all over again. Okay, um, <laughs> we better move on. Uh, number nine, you shall not hide anything from your spouse. Mm. No secrets, no secret money stash, no secret relationship, no secret shopping. Never, never, ever do we say to our kids, don't tell dad. Don't tell dad, okay? I'm going to. Now, if we, here, here is the one time it's okay. I, I think sometimes we have to evaluate. I'm hiding this or I'm being secretive about this. Something's wrong, period. If you feel yourself hiding something or keeping a secret, it's wrong unless you're planning a surprise party. That's it. That's the only time it's okay. But you can catch yourself, and I've taught my children this too. If you find yourself sneaking or hiding something, that is a check. That is a check. We are not created to sneak around and hide unless we are planning a surprise party or if you're you know, buying a very special gift. But um, that's it. There are no secrets. There are no secrets in marriage, period. And um, that is something for husbands to understand, for wives to understand. I know a lot of um, uh, husbands will say, um, you know, well, this account is mine, this account is yours. A lot of wives will say, well, I have this money, this is mine, and this is, look, you are married, the two are one, there are no secrets. We are open um, about everything. And that's the ideal. That's the way it was created. Now, I understand there are extreme circumstances where maybe um, someone has advised you to hide certain things for your protection. Look, I would say you talk to a counselor, that is so extreme, and there is never, if you're being sneaky, then that's not a good plan, unless you're planning a surprise party. Okay, number 10, you shall be generous with your thoughts, words, and body. You shall be generous with your thoughts, words, and body. Proverbs uh, 31, which is our, you know, the theme verse is Proverbs 31, 25. But if you back up to 11 and 12, her husband is talking about a godly woman, a godly wife. Her husband can trust her. And you see, because I honor him in front of my children, whether he's there or not, I honor him around my friends. He trusts me, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. This is our role, guys, as wife. No matter how our husband behaves, no matter what he is deserving of, my responsibility, and if I want to be the best wife that I can be, the best mom that I can be, her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. I just can't amen that strong enough, strongly enough. 
You know what? As I was thinking about getting to be a part of Fearless Mom this week and getting to, to speak and teach with Julie, it struck me how amazing it is that you all and you all online choose to dig in and do the work to be fearless moms. Choose to dig in and do the work if you're married to be fearless wives. That is one of the most amazing things that I can think you will ever invest in, investing personally and spiritually and emotionally. And it's, it's fun for me because this is such a different um, context than I usually speak or preach in. And, and I thought, man, as I, was, as I was walking in this morning, I thought, this is a tough crowd. But it's a tough crowd, not in a bad way. It's a tough crowd in all the good ways, in all of the right ways. You are tough. You're digging in and doing the work and choosing to let God do this through you. This incredible calling that he's placed on your life to be a mom and and to to step up and to say, I'm going to do everything I can to prepare and equip my kids, the next generation of difference makers and world changers, to be everything God's created them to be. And I'm going to do it when I'm tired. I'm going to do it when I'm dirty. I'm going to do it when I'm out on a date. I'm going to do it in every way that I can. And so I just want you to know how deeply Julie and I respect you and admire you and believe in what you're doing. Because what you're doing is the toughest job on the planet. And it is the job that, along with fathers, has the single greatest influence in the entire world. Several weeks ago as a nation, we saw this transfer of power, one president handing it off to the next. That is the perfect picture of what God intends us to do in the lives of our kids, to transfer power from our lives that we receive from Christ into the lives of our kids so that they have God's power when we aren't anywhere around them. I want to just close with a word of prayer and lift you up and lift up this incredible, incredible job that God has called us to. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the privilege and the blessing of getting to transfer power to our kids that you've entrusted to us but are ultimately, God, yours. May we never forget that we're stewards, that we get to shepherd them to adulthood. Father, I pray your blessings over every mom in this room, every wife, every home and family that's represented, everybody who will watch online, God, that you will do what only you can do in equipping and empowering them to be everything you've created and called them to be. We lift up this prayer in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.